the brain cannot accept a utopia as plausible. That is the premise that is in the Matrix. That's not necessarily the truth. No, but that's interesting. interesting Well, if I was raised as a baby in a utopia, where would I even have a cultural understanding of what a plausible society even is? And by the time... Mm, Exactly. So I don't... I suggest it's part of the human condition. What, to be sceptical of nice things? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Friends, and welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party. I'm Jack Lewis Evans. And my name is Sean Morley. And we're coming to you live from the Trans-Siberian Railway. We've managed to squeeze our bodies into the overhead luggage rack. Where better to introduce an episode of our transport? We're going to get into how we move between places, shapes, the architecture of our cities and our souls. That's right, we're talking trains, planes and railguns. How does the ability to get from A to B impact A, B and those who travel between them? And that's not even mentioning C, space and the billionaires who frolic amongst the stars. If you would like to help support the podcast and unlock a miniature trove of additional content, why not head over to patreon.com forward slash mandatory redistribution party and pledge a modest monthly dividend you will be guaranteed land on our mars colony and for those whose coffers run dry fear not for we also massively benefit from those who recommend the podcast to friends colleagues also stand in the high street shouting the individual characters from our Podbean hosting url through a loud hailer watch out someone's someone's coming oh fuck okay back in the suitcase my zipper's stuck okay well mine works fine sorry goodbye (laughs) Sean! What's the fastest you've been? How fast have you gone? Whenever I've been fast, I've never felt fast. Right, Right. yeah, exactly. Oh, wow, I've got to the heart of it straight away. (laughs) No, because I nailed this point that I don't understand. (laughs) If you asked me back, because I thought about this, and I would say that. I have there's the sensation of speed is when in my head I'm like yeah that's when I've gone fast when actually mm. if you're on like the Virgin Pendolino or something you probably weren't going well you're probably going really fast but probably didn't feel like you're going that fast you like you yeah, didn't need to be slow. like strapped in and you were like shaking I guess the fastest you can feel is the a vehicle that you're allowed to stick your head outside of <laughs> and they don't let you do that on planes for obvious reasons so you can never really feel fast I did that's that is the thing to um, you know like when you're in a car. And you're like, mm. oh, I'm doing 70. Maybe I should go faster for some fucking reason. It's like, well, no, open the window. <laughs> and then you'll go, oh, yeah, I'm going, I'm, go- I'm actually going really fast. But that's because you've gone from like no wind resistance to all the wind resistance. Yeah, if, I, exactly. if I'm sitting in the car and I stick my head out and it's going 45, I'm like, this feels really that fast. That feels fast. That feels fast. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Anything can feel fast when previously I was sat in a completely airtight environment. <laughs> What I would love is to stick my head outside of like a rocket launch. Oh <laughs> fuck yeah! Can you? I think it just snap would you, you die? You instantly die, but you die happy. <laughs> I would. That would be a good death. That's one of the yeah, few yeah, deaths yeah. that people would be like vocally jealous of. There'd be a kind of like nationwide mourning when everyone else is like sad to still be alive because they didn't <laughs> die in that way. Because I think the sensation of speed. If you haven't got access to one of those like G-force machines that spins round and round most of the, the the time you can experience speed is when a thing is speeding up have you ever had it where like you've become so disconnected from the speed of a vehicle that you mm. think you can like see another bus or another train out of the window mm. and it leaves but you think you're moving because that's mm. your point of reference mm. yeah. and and you realize oh i don't know what's happening then yes. i actually have no idea yes which leads me to railguns. hello right <laughs> 
<laughs> railguns. When they fire, so just a railgun for anyone listening is it uses it fires a projectile, but it speeds up that projectile by creating it um, by using electromagnets to speed it up to a ridiculous speed. So a normal projectile, you know, like if you shoot a gun, you can break the sound barrier, right? Mm. That's but, why it's so loud. A gun. Yeah, yeah. Bang. Right. A railgun can fire a projectile seven times the speed of sound. What's a railgun for? <laughs> that is my next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is a railgun for? Because obviously the military are like, well, that sounds great because you can you can fire a thing really, really far. Like a railgun can fire like 200 miles, but mm-hmm. it doesn't need... Normally, if you're going to fire something at 200 miles, it needs to be like a missile that has like a rocket on the end of it. But a railgun mm-hmm. can fire something at 200 miles and it's just like, pew! And it's just power. It's just electricity or power or something. It's What's electromagnets. It it's, it's like a gun and it's making the projectile, the piece of whatever. It could be anything, chicken nugget. And it will just speed it up really, really fast using magnets. Right. And you could just pop anything in there. You can pop anything in there, which is, you, you mentioned rockets. Listen, we're all, we're trying to like rocket ourselves into space with this. Mm-hmm. It's using all this fuel. Railguns, everyone. Just point at the moon or Mars or wherever you're going and have a big, have something that catches you there. Yeah, I haven't figured that out. I haven't figured that out, right? I can see some scepticism on Sean's face. I haven't figured that out yet. Someone else... Just waiting patiently. Just waiting for it to be fleshed out. I'm I'm an ideas guy. I'm not a science guy. Someone will sort that, right? There's way people... That's always a red flag you just said. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's how... um, that's how like Musk and Bezos and all these other fucks all like justify what they're doing because they're like, well, I came up with the idea. And then normally they didn't even come up with the idea. <laughs> they just mm. took the profit from it. Anyway, Railgun fires you into space. And fuck I, thought, me, I bet that I'd feel fast. I know a lot of a spaceship is designed for leaving, mm. but isn't a good a good chunk of it designed mm. for re-entry? So you kind of <laughs> yeah, need yeah, it to yeah. get back, right? Unless you just get well, yeah. shot back at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, Railgun at the other end. Easy peasy. Fucking hell. Won't you... You know how we said, hang on, just... Can't, okay. You're not just shot as a person loaded into the railgun. No! Right? <laughs> yeah, better put a warm jacket on. <laughs> Zip that up. You need, Zip up need a big gilet. <laughs> Puff a jacket. No, you're in like a pod. You're a pill. You're in a... a in a zorb. You're in a big bullet. Yeah, big fucking zorb bullet. Hard zorb. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you're like strapped down. Yeah. I don't see the problem. I think the only problem yeah, exactly. is the thing you already identified is you will crash hard into wherever you land. So you have to make sure because that once the rail you leave the atmosphere, accurate. nothing's going to slow you down. There's no, yeah. no drag. Yeah. So you will hit something with yeah. about the force it would take to <laughs> make the dinosaurs go extinct again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You even will if cause you're an extinction off. event at where you're visiting. Yeah, because you'll only decelerate when you hit the thing because there's nothing in you know, space. Yeah. And nothing. you'll have to decelerate borderline instantly. And borderline <laughs> instantaneous deceleration is famously fatal. Imagine that, though, because that would mean that you were like the bullet that killed Mars. It would be like Earth shot Mars and you were the bullet. <laughs> so we have now found a death more exciting than sticking your head outside of a rocket ship. It's you are the very core of an asteroid that wipes out all life. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching the news and I hear about your death on the rocket and everyone else yeah. is like gutted. And then I whisper under my breath, nothing (laughs) (laughs) we found alien life and one person decided to wipe it out even though their intention was just to visit (laughs) i'm just gonna see what's over there (laughs) of course more death and harm than any other individual musk's got his colony happening and you just go you slam straight into it i want to get there faster i'm keen (laughs) hello i think rail guns is maybe one way that space exploration can be done under socialism. <laughs> I think technology that would move people vast distances really mm. fast oh, yeah. would have loads of terrestrial application as well as extraterrestrial application. That's what they always And say. I think it would like change all life on Earth. Imagine how it would change social dynamics if anyone could just get borderline anywhere, either through like you can get railguns to one of many precise locations where you can land safely. Yeah. Or just like borderline teleportation technology. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of what a railgun is. You could even go to the other side of the planet if you like use the moon as like a, you know, one extra stop. Social dynamics mm. have a, a geographical representation in like city planning yes, and the yes, poor yeah, bit yeah, 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 yeah. and the nice bit. And 
oh, I live in a poor bit and I'd like a job that's in a nice area, but that mm. also means the commute weighs more heavily on me mm. because I've got to travel a greater distance. If anyone could get anywhere, things like gentrification and this idea of like nice areas, mm. up and coming areas, if well, anyone could go yeah. anywhere where you live and this massive house price problem would really start to be diminished. But as it is, transportation, almost in all of the developed world, is going backwards. Yeah. Like municipal transportation options are diminishing. If you radically changed transport and had transport that was like really, really good in terms of tech and also ran in the interest of the people, yeah, the, the, it would undermine so many other aspects of capital, like just houses as assets, right? And mm -hmm. corporate rents. I mean, we see this in if people who can work from home want to work from home because the commute is fucking, not only is it expensive, it is just this dehumanizing, depressing, horrific experience. Mm -hmm. Like, Rush Hour is where hope goes to die. We were closer to having those things in the UK. You know, like the Beecham Report, and it just destroyed the mm -hmm. uh, local rail networks. Like, the effect that had, like, not just the Beecham Report, but the number of cities that had, like, tram systems that were pulled up so cars could be put down. We're seeing another wave of that with, like, um, you know, Musk thinking he's reinvented, think he's, inve he's invented the subway, but, like, a shitter version where it's just individual cars going around. Yeah. And it's not just stupid on like a technical level where it's like, well, why are you using fucking rubber instead of steel wheels, which are way harder to maintain? And why are you, you know, like if one car breaks down, that what, what effect stops. is like, you know, there's just so yeah. many things that are fucked about it. But also the fact that it's that shift, it's that same shift that happened with the Beecham report of replacing an existing transport thing that's more collective with a more individual thing, mm -hmm. which... Mm -hmm ain't good i mean on a really simple this is going to come across as one of those ultra basic like borderline sh stupid 90s comedy premises that's on the level of like all cats are girls and all dogs are boys however i dare suggest that trains are socialist and cars are capitalist <laughs> yeah i'd say that's basically kind of straightforward leftists love trains leftists who might disagree you could be like some like hardcore anarchist person and someone who's like full-on leninism they will agree on trains <laughs> trains is quite a unifying force and also as well i think going back just to the like mm. late 20th century yeah i know like in america mm. opposition to massive highways and byways being built mm. everywhere was like a popular mainstream sentiment wasn't yeah. um who shot roger rabbit was a film yeah. about stopping a highway what a great <laughs> it movie. was a film about stopping roads being built <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's um there's loads of really good maps and infographics on mm. how rail networks have been like stripped back the one mm. in ireland is incredible but also recently i saw a british rail um campaign from sometime maybe in the 70s or 80s mm. and it said here's what london would look like if it was forced to use only road networks to link people and it just yeah. showed like these massive spaghetti junction type things like going across like <laughs> london bridge that's what america looks like and that mm. you can see maps which will like compare like a transport interchange mm. in america with just the middle of some city somewhere in europe Mm. And you just have to use so much space on cars because they're just so wildly inefficient. The level of how much better trains are than cars. And then if you, you know, people go like, oh, well, then it'd be a nightmare for me to get anywhere. And it's like, well, no, because if you did, like you said before, if you made your, if you did your city planning based mm. around good public transport, that would be much less likely to be the case. Best and worst train stations in the UK. Okay, what do I want from a train station? What are like good qualities of a train station? Oh, that's a good question. My instinct, my immediate instincts, I obviously should have pre-prepared and answered before I just chuck this question in the ring. But I like, I do like a pretty train station. So your Glasgow Central, your Edinburgh Waverley, mm. your Huddersfield. Mm. I like these stations. And I don't, York. but but my York, very nice. But on the other end of the spectrum, the ones where I think, oh, these are the worst. My objection to them isn't necessarily their physical form. It's just the bad experiences I've had there, which is Crewe and Peterborough. And I think the reason it's them two is they're like places where you're going to have a change, but the train you're on is late, so you miss your change, and then you're stuck for two and a half hours. I find that there's only two real kinds of train stations. Yeah. There's your little bit of nothing next to the tracks, oh, yeah, or there yeah, is yeah, a yeah. train station that wants to be a shopping centre. <laughs> <There are> <laughs> 
There's only those two things. Birmingham New Street. Of, Birmingham New Street is is abysmal. It's fucked, uh, isn't it? It wasn't good before. Like <laughs> Birmingham train station before was abysmal. Was, it yeah. was like it wanted to be a shopping center, but it couldn't because it was a brutalist car park. But now and it now, is a shopping center. Now it just is a shopping center. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever get the trains at weird times, it's all shut. And you're in this like 28 days later, newly built, empty shopping center. It's creepy. That sometimes rumbles. You're like, where's that rumbling coming from? Yeah. Because someone's rolling around some stock or a machine is running. Like air cars yeah. running somewhere. Yeah. A big bag of granolas fallen over in a warehouse. Yeah. Oh, actually, do you know what? Fuck Peterborough and crew. Birmingham New Street, when everything's shut, is the, probably mm. one of the grimmest experiences you can have at a UK train station in terms of locale. Train stations... At peak hours, and this applies to a lot of trains as well, at peak time, trains, in this country because they're fucked, is is like horrific. But even in a non-COVID era, it's like just oh, the sort hell. of faint pungence of seven people's BO. All seven people are somehow touching your body, but you just have to relinquish the concept of personal space because it's it's beyond achievable in the context of rush hour. I, I fucking dread anytime you know like you've got a gig somewhere and you've got a, you've got to go in rush hour but yeah. you're going to work but it's everyone else coming back and you're like it's 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 fucking dreadful on the train and and in the station in around 2017 there was like a debate it was like brought up by like a Tory mm. MP mm. who was saying to the train companies you have a massive overcrowding problem because mm. like everyone uses the trains right mm. so like the trains mm. problems are known to everyone and he said, why don't you just stop having first class? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a great idea. You've got this massive area of the train that's really sparsely populated yeah, yeah, yeah. and this other area that's like a cattle truck. The whole train should be first class and it should be three times as long. <laughs> and two times and every, as tall. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, yeah, it should have two floors. For every, for what, what is currently first class should just be the standard. Other thing that's good about trains, here's, here's my another pro train thought. Trains... You're in the city centre. The thing that always makes me think about this is the Edinburgh Festival. Every year, I get in a conversation with someone who talks about the fact that they flew up. Oh, yeah. Drives me nuts. Because in my head, like, everyone goes up on the Megabus, right? Because, and everyone, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I once got up. Megabus my, I, I think everyone who's, like, on the right side of history can do a little thing of, like, what's the cheapest Megabus you ever got to Edinburgh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm here with 50p, so I've actually... Oh, fuck! I've 50p'd it up, so... Fucking hell! I I love when those conversations start yeah. because I finished them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no more convo. Now, tell, on the, yeah, anyone on the, who flew up, terrifying. Because sometimes, the because the trains are very fucking expensive in the UK, the flight can be cheaper. Mm. But flight obviously got all the shit at the airport. That, that sucks. But air, airports are not, and this is good, airports are not in the city centre. Train, you're there. You get out of mm. Waverley, boom. Firstly, loads of flights are now cheaper than lots of domestic train travel in the UK. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. bananas in that respect. But also, this is something I find really fascinating, which is that cities, the, the like psychogeography of a city mm. is built from the train station. If a city is a, is a story that the town mm. planners want to tell with you, the train station, the surrounding area is chapter one. Mm. Everything is built to get you from the train station to like, where the city planners want you to be, usually a shopping high street, mm. or let you see that they've actually got some green space here and keep you away from like, here's the post-industrial bit that we've not renovated. Here's a here's where loads of poor people live. They mm. don't want you to go there. They want you to be like, here's yeah. Debenhams. And train stations <laughs> do that, right? I've done loads of train travel and the train station always is like, best foot forward, here's our best fountain. Here's a statue. Here is a bronze engraved celebrity <laughs> from this area. Whereas, and you come out and now look at our billboards of what I've got here. Birmingham New Street distilled that to its most horrific modern interpretation, which is, here is the mall. Mm. You're you walk in straight it. out of it. So, so Birmingham New Street has been even more horrific because they've got these massive mm. maximum brightness electronic billboards that are beaming Cyberpunk into you. you. Yeah, you can see like yeah, six yeah. of them wherever you stand. But people, there's hotels nearby and people like <laughs> bedrooms that are facing these things. Mm. And they're facing like 
high-octane, flashing, moving images that are just beaming powerful enough to like go through the curtain. Singe your retina. You wake up wanting to buy Ray-Ban sunglasses. <laughs> I think there should be a separate carriage on trains for hen and stag do's. There's quiet carriages. Yeah. I know in some countries they've tried women's carriages, mm. just in places where women don't feel as safe exactly, on public exactly. transport. Um, and also, like, there used to be way more stratification. You know, before the nationalisation of trains in mm. Germany in 1920, they had four classes. Whoa! And it was just, like, it was just economic classes. It was just mega rich, quite rich, normal, and, and very poor. Yeah. It's very poor, like, you're tied to the train outside. Very poor was, like, you are in the luggage component. Yeah. <laughs> So. Um, when it was nationalised, all they did was they got rid of the very poor one because they considered it like inhumane. It's too far, yeah. But then just made the poorest people have to pay more to ride the train, though. So it's not not ideal. But you could organise carriages by anything. Oh yeah, and that's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, like, um, is it Finnish or Icelandic trains or one of those? One mm. of those just ni- nice, quiet Nordic countries <laughs> where one of the carriages is a crash. This is a good idea. Crash carriage isolated stag do carriage and you can't even get into it the doors don't open yeah 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 only on off the station you can't there's no like between route yeah yeah, you just can't get in and they have their own quarantined yeah Yeah, in the middle yeah (laughs) it's all just a hole it goes straight on the tracks (laughs) (laughs) oh god the stag carriage would be fucking horrible you know when you're like on a quiet coach Mm. and there's someone who's not being quiet i wish i wasn't annoyed by that but it makes we want to kill them. Mm, mm. And it's always like a business, business guy. You know the kind of person, right? It, it, yeah. It's a select group of people that um, just think they are above the rules. Well, I think it's too. I think it's got two layers. It's the above the rules thing, and I also think that there's a type of person who thinks that their phone call is like so cool that like other people must want to be listening to it. It's like a. It's like a different type of. There's the type of person who has the boastful phone call fake phone call in a comedy green room but like train business version of that yeah yeah but that's we already made four million. Oh, we're talking about bob mortimer's cappuccino yeah, guy here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah that guy yeah yeah Capuchucci. that guy's already been distilled into yeah, his like he's, absolute he's nailed it on um, yeah we have all think, heard that guy i think there's a lot of hatred for that guy and i also think that just the tra- trains in this fucking country is just so depressing because of what they the distance between what they could be and what they are. You know, like you think, oh, trains. There's a campaign going on in Manchester to make a particularly inaccessible train station more wheelchair accessible. One of the good things about trains is they're very wheelchair accessible. Unless everyone just fills the fucking wheelchair with their luggage or random shit and then there's just no... It's this supposedly wheelchair accessible thing that because there's not enough money in investment that it just gets deleted. Like, Well, it's also like... It's definitely selfishness, like selfishness yeah. of individuals just not caring for the accessibility also of the systemic, train. It's like a part of it. Because well, it's not just enough comes back to overcrowding, based. right? Yeah. Every, yeah. Every, every good idea that has happened with trains have been mm. completely wiped out by the fact that they're always overcrowded. And whenever there's been an opportunity to like de-overcrowd them, like people going, mm. why don't we just not have first class? Can't do that. Mm. Also, like the head of British Rail has said that after the pandemic fully ends – they're only going to run like 80% of the trains they used to. So because they think there's going to be more working from home, there's less demand. So even though before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. it was massively overcrowded, they are now reducing the train amounts to ensure that amount of overcrowding is going to remain the norm, even as they believe commuter totals are going to drop. Well, that's fu- Wait, when you say like trains, they're always full at peak hours, but like not peak hours and places where it's not like a train going to fucking London. For, for yeah, those stopper trains those, go That's the, the argument they always use to like, these train tickets are really expensive because they have to subsidise this train that only gets like a couple of people on it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they can't justify just completely closing that line. And that's one of the things that's like, maybe privatisation and capitalism isn't the best way to run this thing because it's a public service that many elements of it just won't be profitable, but they should and need to be, you know, they need to be there. It's something that we can never get rid of, but due to Mm. the fact they're privatised and need to make a profit, they are hostile to the consumer in every Mm. conceivable way from the prices Yeah, yeah. I can just not, I have to not go on trains Mm. whenever I can help it now because Mm. the, the, wherever I'm going, the amount of money I'm getting to go there 
yeah. a significant proportion is just going straight to the train companies. Here's some hostile to consumer stuff that also is going to shine a light on what like a train could be. Mm. I have not been able to get back from Manchester three times due to the last train of the night not coming. Oh, One time yeah. I had to stay on that your couch unexpectedly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's because what they did this time, and this really, really <laughs> annoying story, there was the last train from Manchester to Sheffield, and they must have announced it over mm -hmm. the overhead intercom thing, yeah, but they yeah. didn't update the board. So <sighs> a, a train going to somewhere else, which was the yeah. same company, same yeah. colours, you know, it arrives... Everyone that I'm with instinctually looks up at the board. The board still says its destination is Sheffield. Uh, okay. We all get on it. We get to the first stop that's going in the wrong direction. Or maybe it only mm. goes one of the places, yeah, right? Yeah, Oxford. But Road then it comes right back to Manchester. Mm. So when we all get back on, then everyone starts like getting up and wandering the train and going, mm. did you do what I did? Like yeah, I've seen yeah. you stay on the train. Yeah, and so yeah. like we make a group of about 15 people. No one intentionally went to that stop wow everyone who got on believed it was a different train and there was wow. no one for the other train so we all get together and we speak to transpennine express and they say because it went out on the overhead tannoy that we are not entitled to anything oh, we're not entitled off. to a refund we're not entitled to be able to get home and there are no more trains right that was the last train and that was really infuriating because yeah, yeah. everyone would look at the board like the mm -hmm. person that was telling me this message would also have made the same mistake we did that he's saying we're individually culpable for anyone mm. would you look at the board that's the train it arrived at the minute it was supposed to mm. you would get on that train but on another time and times where they don't have an excuse they have to like pay for a taxi mm. and i was once in a people carrier just with a bunch of random people and because it wasn't the train we all just started talking to each other <laughs> and we all just made friends mm. and sat like to the right of me with some people that had just come back from Belgium, because they claim there's this festival in Belgium that all the Glastonbury artists go and do after. And Glastonbury is so expensive now, and it's so expensive to get there on the trains that it's cheaper to fly to Belgium and go there than Glastonbury. <laughs> it's cheaper just to fly there from Manchester. And then the guy opposite me had just come back from Switzerland because he works for the UN on like climate change and human development. <laughs> And then the other guy next to that was just this salary man guy coming back from yeah. Manchester late. He didn't really have a lot to contribute, but he was really excited to be like, oh, you went for the UN, you've been to a festival, this yeah, guy's yeah. a comedian, and there's just this other woman who doesn't want to talk because she's got really bad car sickness. So we oh. stop on Snake Pass like three times so she can get sick. So oh. we had ages in each other's company. And wow. honestly, it was wonderful. <laughs> and it never would have happened on the train, right? You could never in a million years believe that would happen on the train. Replace, coach... Bus replacement services with people carrier replacement services is what mm. Sean's saying. I'm saying maybe a tunnel underground and it's just cars just driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about trains which are officious and uh, unpleasant, and it only takes a slight disruption to that. Mm. And suddenly, even though we're actually in a less nice vehicle, having a less nice journey, it, it was nice, you know, mm. I felt like I was having a journey with other people rather than having a journey on my own while in a very crowded area. Your head is in someone's armpit as they hold onto a bar for stability, but you will not say a word to them. And I don't want to, because I also have been very guilty of being like this chip on his shoulder northerner being like, why is no one in London friendly? Oh, yeah, and it has to be like yeah, explained yeah. to you of being like, yeah. People are tired, they're going back from work. They don't yeah, want to exactly. talk to you about your favourite, yeah, exactly. what's better, Star Bar or Boost Bar. They don't imagine care. Imagine saying hi to an e everyone. You say, fuck yeah. that, man. Delusional. But imagine there was just a friendly carriage or a, a chat carriage. <laughs> friendly carriage. Crash, stag do carriage. <laughs> yeah. Friendly carriage. The banter carriage. Then there's the book carriage. <laughs> then there's the Nintendo Switch carriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Land carriage. <laughs> Land party carriage. Land carriage. And it's a Quake 2 carriage. <laughs> <laughs> can't do that on a car. You can't do that in a car, you know. Can't, can't get a PC set up on a car. Yeah, exactly. You could set up a PC on, on a train. And why, you know, and why what denies us that possibility? <laughs> the man. Yeah. Gamer train. You could, you could have a carriage based on anything. <laughs>
I'd love to go into a carriage that was a swimming pool. We're getting closer and closer. <laughs> you just to get like, sloshed around. <laughs> we're getting closer and closer to like nice snow piercer. Nice snow piercer. That's what. Yeah, nice <laughs> snow piercer. When I think of my utopian vision, I think nice snow piercer. <laughs> Happy cyberpunk. <laughs> hey, we live in a cyberpunk universe. I've just got a chip. And, uh, yeah, it just helps me record programs off the TV. I live an okay life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoa, so nice to meet you in the friend carriage. Hey, my name's Sparks. I'm one of the net runners here on this carriage. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to play a I've pirated a game? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a mission for you. Go down to the gym and just have a nice workout. See you later, sport. <laughs> <laughs> Your mission on this carriage is to have a nice time. <laughs> Here, this chip will help. He puts the chip in and you're instantly like massive endorphin rush. <laughs> if you see anything suspicious, please alert a member of the station staff. Remember, see it, say it, sort it. The next train to a light at platform 9 is the 1307 service to hell. The mighty train, king of the jungle, from the cubist chassis of Italian futurists to the Johnny Cash steam engine ballads, the 20th century was in awe of trains. The lithe aggression of a snake mixed with the modular functionalism of a string of sausages. One summer I lived in a tent next to a train tracks and I could feel something of their majesty as they would wake me up at 5am every morning, vibrating my entire body. The character of each carriage stamped into the earth like shitposts on a geological bulletin board. I have always wanted to love trains, just like my ancestors did. But only one thing held me back. Reality. 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 Living in the north of England, trains have two settings. Being packed in tight enough that each inhalation tastes like sweat, or feeling like you're in a secondary school prefab classroom disintegrating as it re-enters Earth's atmosphere. Sometimes, it's both. Any train ride taken in the north will compete with the worst public transport experience you have had anywhere else in the UK, and there are none more competitive than the Pacer train. Introduced in the 1980s as a temporary solution to a shortage of rolling stock, pacers were built from the bodies of decommissioned Leyland buses and given a maximum safe lifespan of 20 years and used for over double that. For a short while, they were touted as an emblem of British manufacturing. In 1986, Margaret Thatcher attended a transport expo in Vancouver, Canada, where a British pacer was used as the shuttle for the site as evidence of British ingenuity it generated zero orders. In 1999, an empty pacer was involved in a head-on collision and it was discovered that the bus chassis that had been grafted onto the train base could simply be ripped straight off. Look up photographs from the 1999 Winsford railway accident and you will see a class 87 electric train constructed a decade before any pacers rip through one like a brick thrown at a plate of custard. At this time our surplus stock was being sold to Iran but by the mid 2000s they stopped buying them because they considered them low quality and dangerous. That is a country whose GDP is about an eighth of the UK's and has a third less total land mass, reckons it ought to invest a little bit more in rail infrastructure than we do in our own. By 2010, the Conservative Coalition was promising to turn the North into a Northern powerhouse, specifically with rail infrastructure investment. Pacers remained in regular use. In 2015, the Conservative Party continued this pledge. There was even a Northern Powerhouse ministerial position. Pacers remained in regular use. In 2018, The Guardian reported that the Minister for Northern Powerhouse almost never left London and had barely been to the north of England. Pacers remained in regular use. In 2019, disability regulations required disabled access on all trains and forced the issue because pacers were simply too old and too shit to be modified in any meaningful way. That meant by the end of 2019, train operators had to phase out all pacers. And when that target was missed, they had until 2020. And then that target was missed. 
After being built out of buses as a temporary solution to stock shortage, the last Pacer train ran in the United Kingdom on the 29th of May 2021 in the South Wales Valleys. And now, finally, they are gone for good. RIP Pacers. F's in the chat. While I was writing this to Secretary for Transport, Grant Shapps has announced that the retired Pacers are going to be turned into classrooms and hospital buildings, but only exclusively in the north of England. Kids are going to go to school and learn their times tables in a burnt out train chassis like they are in the Fallout universe or a canned sequel to Threads. In the distance, you can see the London to Edinburgh high-speed rail line career past. And if you zoom all the way into first class, you can just about make out that they're having a big orgy. The next train to arrive at Birmingham Rear Street is the 1302 Fuck Train service, heading from London St Pancras to HELL! <laughs> I think one of the things that made the trains worse was obviously like state and business collaborating to just help capital to, to just make some money on cars and shift something to a more individualist more capitalist friendly mm -hmm. way of moving yourself around and i think the same's happening with the kind of billionaire space race it's the privatization of space exploration and you know don't get me wrong i think I, I fully understand that at the peak of space exploration in the space race it was very much something that was conditioned by the cold war and this like soviets versus the americans but and they weren't necessarily addressing other issues that could have been uh, solved but those things are, I think, legitimately a source of pride for people. Like people always wanted to be astronauts, right? Mm. The most common like childhood job dream was astronaut until YouTuber superseded it a few years ago. But that idea of space exploration as something that is like this like collective achievement and isn't just an achievement of the astronauts, it's an achievement of like all these huge groups and all these people collaborating, you know, scientists to do something that is just about exploration and learning. Mm. Like that is cool as fuck. And that is just like being privatized and individualized or into like Bezos and Musk. And, and of course, a huge profiteer of the privatization of British rail, Richard Branson. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of people kind of taking the piss out of billionaire space race stuff saying like, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of fuck that they're doing this while there's like people starving or whatever. I agree. Like that, that's a totally valid point to make. But also I think bread and roses, right? It would be very cool if you could have a socialism where you also had space exploration that wasn't done by and in the interests of capital. But mm. bread is preferable to roses and you can prioritise things because you can't eat a rose. Well, you can, but it'd be like an unpleasant experience. Right? Yeah, yeah, very sharp and spiky things. I think stuff that is just done to expand human understanding is cool because otherwise, what do you teach at school? Just fill out your CV. You know, English lit lessons should only be taught to the extent that you can understand either A, your boss's email or B, marketing. The space race taught people to believe in sci-fi utopianism, which lets them <laughs> just believe in utopianism, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. we went to another planet, things like Star Trek, which is just a show about imagining other types of mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. over <laughs> and over again, mm -hmm. which was hugely influential on like loads of aspects of like contemporary thought. Yeah, It's not possible without another generation being like, some people have gone to the moon. Yeah, it's crazy. Although in the USSR, the space race and getting into space was like a central pillar of like the anti-religion campaign, like the huge USSR stop believing in God stuff. Because yeah, they're yeah. like, we've actually been up there. We don't need God. <laughs> we we went up. Like full on uh, Tower so, of Babel, like literal. If he, he says he's up there. Yeah, Where yeah. are you, mate? Could, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We can't all speak with a unified tongue, but I have been to space. <laughs> Tower of Babel can eat my shorts. But this comes back, this comes back to the, the train thing, because the Soviets won the space race. It's like, yeah, you can point, okay, the Americans got on the moon, but first man in space, Soviet Union. First woman in space, Soviet Union. First dogs in space, Soviet Union. The first space station, Soviet Union. The, I find it weird that the current, this space stuff with Musk and Bezos and Branson is talked about it as this like amazing thing. It's like, they did it in fucking... Gagarin was what, 1961? Mm. That was ages ago. So now yeah. it's like, I don't really get why it's news other than it's just a, the news is doing marketing for these companies. I think there's enough vestigial interest in space that people will care because they are hopeful in some way that we'll get to do space stuff again. I but think it's not for you. Really this is the thing. It's not, it's not, it's not for you. 
It's not and for you. Can't the, the space. To it. The old space stuff. I know it wasn't for you in the sense that like you're not going to go on a passenger thing for space. But like if you look at the ticket prices for these new things, it's like millions. It's not for you. It's not, and it's not done to like expand human understanding or knowledge. It's done purely as a fucking hobby project for these billionaires or mm-hmm. as a marketing exercise. So that Virgin, who are funding their space exploration by stealing from us, you know, they don't pay any fucking corporate tax. They sue the NHS. Musk's a fucking union buster. Bezos is a fucking union buster. They either avoid paying tax or get direct subsidies from the state. Even the idea that they're like, self-funding this is fucked it's like they're not Mm. self-funding it they're funding it with money stolen from you but that's the way the news reporting it so it's just like totally but that you know like if it was actual news surely there would be a premise of contextualizing it and saying where did richard branson get this money from where did musk get this money from where did bezos get this money from what what lobbying activities or corruption led to this but there's none of that fucking context there's just why are they doing it yeah why why do they want this to happen and what does it mean for anyone and yeah. none of those answers make the whole story particularly appealing to anyone. Well, These they never people... ask them, do they? Because they know that yeah. those are the answers. They yeah. know that those are the answers. Because like NASA and stuff, as much as, you know, it's intimately linked with the military industrial complex, of course, but it's like a scientific organization. Like the reason we understand loads of stuff about climate change, for example, or are able to monitor it is because of stuff NASA does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The exploration of space and science related to space isn't some separate thing from science and our understanding of our world they're like part and parcel of the same thing they, well it's just it's a subset of the same thing of science and understanding stuff but that's not the goal of these fuckers because it was already done in the 1960s but i also think that journalism has moved a long way away from public education and oh, so yeah, all the yeah, spacex yeah, yeah, yeah. Of space tourism stuff is just on par with like the gushing coverage of the royal wedding <laughs> there's no real attempt to justify why we're looking at this it's just considered these people have very, very expensive hats. Yeah, it's just and celebrity news. so we send news. the cameramen. Yeah. yeah. It's just celebrity news. Yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. think there's any pretense that it's otherwise. The fact that it's space can maybe have some veneer, that it's scientific in some way. But going up and looking at something when you're just a rich person doing it for Instagram. I doubt if you went on the BBC and looked up, you know, Branson going into space, it would be in the celebrity section. I think that it does have the pretense that it's actual news yeah and that and that's fucked and that's fucked it has been miscategorized you're you're right that's what it is but i think it certainly has this pretense that it's some like important and good thing that reinforces it isn't just propaganda for like these individual companies it's propaganda for capitalism and you know what it does it it also completely nips in the bud any nascent ideas that could have been of space utopianism yeah because now it is abundantly clear that if ever the tech is available to escape, it will be monopolised by these fuckers and they're going to make a worse version of society. Do you remember like mm. the old American mining towns where where mm. you live and everything about your private life is dictated yeah. by a company and you've exactly. got to use their currency? Exactly. You're going to have exactly that kind of thing, but now it is the moon. Yeah. It's not going to be fucking Star Trek. It's going to be like the Alien franchise or like... yeah. The, out, the Outer Worlds video game where it's all just like fucking corporations in space. Exactly. You will hate your job, but you won't be able to leave because your job is inextricably <laughs> tied to your planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are allowed to go, but you can only go if you take on the cost of you going as a debt that you have to work off, which will be inherited yeah. by your children. And they say, look, you don't have to work here. You could live on the other planets in the solar system and you look and they're either so hot you boil alive or it's just made of poisonous gas. You could go <laughs> live there. You know, you don't need to work for us in the slime mine. <laughs> but there's also for the idea that they're going to create these settlements is fucked because I don't think capitalism can do that. Because if you look at like the effects of, say like low gravity, if you're living on Mars, that fucks up your body and it fucks up your mind. Like long-term low gravity, you know, it just, it, it really damages you. It effectively gives you brain damage, right? Uh-huh. It, and it really damages your executive function. It gives you like things that are symptoms similar to Alzheimer's. I mean, fucking terraforming Mars. Like we can't, we can barely fucking deal with climate change and terraforming is like so many steps beyond. It's like the climate has already changed. Everything on the planet is dead and you need to undo that. Like we don't have the fucking science to do that. And we certainly don't have the science to do it within a framework of like shareholder returns within the financial quarter. Like if you are yeah. going to terraform a planet and create life beyond earth, that could only be done under socialism because it would have to be something that's like generational. It couldn't be something that would be done 
in the short-term interest of capital, or even the mid-term interest of capital. Do you know what is in the interest? Because capitalism can't deal with that. Right? Capitalism yeah. needs to generate profit on an annual basis yeah, yeah, at yeah. the very least, unless, because we've got this <laughs> new kind of Silicon Valley-style bubble is, you just make a new promise and you get the investment. And the money from so the on promise. Your, yes. Yeah, yes. the money from the profit yeah, yeah. Is, promise is generating profits, but when yes. it comes from like what you're selling, it's nothing yeah, and yeah, you're yeah, losing. Yeah, yeah. So you can sell people on a dream maybe forever. There's quite a few big companies <laughs> that have never actually turned a profit in the traditional I think sense. It's, Uber, I still have, think, has not turned a profit, right? That's Twitter's never... Up. Yeah. Twitter's never turned a profit. There's 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 a few. Um So you just do that with Mars. <laughs> but yeah, you're just doing that yeah, with Mars. Yeah, yeah. So there is in terms of like the, the, the wheels of capitalism mm. making the promise to terraform every yeah. six months is an incredibly profitable thing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Doing it, it will never happen because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Saying it you can get an immediate return on you'll you will get a stock bump every time you say it mm. it's just magic words <laughs> so just in terms of like the economic implications of that some people could move and go anywhere mm. uh, and some people can't is all of these problems with house price bubbles mm. how much of a value in the house is nothing to do with like the mortar mm-hmm. or the the quality of building or the contents of the house it is where this structure is located you can pick up buildings and move them somewhere else and they are worth either a million more or a million less easily mm-hmm. you're paying a million to be located in a certain bit of coordinates yeah but if it was easy just to move your body there without much problem then that's irrelevant these house prices things they're done to like shield areas from the, the poor as well as mm-hmm. make profits mm-hmm. so you have these like absolute bubbles of areas where people live these like ghettoized low rent areas where you end up with food deserts people can't like Mm. eat healthily there no one's interested in like supplying things to these areas and so you just have areas that get completely abandoned and then they get over policed and then they're Mm. considered the problem areas nothing's being done to help them and you can't get out of it because no one's putting jobs in there. No one's like supplying you with basic resources. You think there's as many libraries and community centers and opportunities. What happens to the local school and how that's listed as a, is this a school people want to send their mm. children to now? E- everything has a multiplying effect. Teleportation would solve this overnight. <laughs> <laughs> I think a really good way to get house prices under control would be to do the matrix. Talk me through this. So if you're in the matrix, you are in a pod, which is supplying energy to the machines, but you don't know that you could be living mm-hmm. anywhere. Um, and yeah, but real estate, you know, you you can still do your job and live out your life, but you're just in a tiny little pod. And how are Very you, footprint. are you getting paid to generate energy for the machines? What's your, um, you don't know. What's your rent? You don't, you don't know. <laughs> okay yeah you're not paying any rent actually isn't it fucked actually that they're kind of paying um body energy rent to the robots but Mm. in neo's life he also has a job to pay rent (laughs) 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 i remember my life was sucked out so i go to vr and have a job (laughs) in a way the machines in the matrix is just a very very big landlord would you go into the matrix if it was you could plug into a hedon machine you were a hedon machine. Um, I'm going to guess it's something to do with hedonism. All these like utilitarians and stuff came up with like different kinds of feeling mm. pleasure. One person decided if you can have all these different kinds of pleasure, right? Imagine uh, there's a machine that just cranked all of those up to ten. Yeah, Nintendo Switch. Go on it. W- would you would you go on it and experience the best thing in your life? But you can only experience it if you go on this machine. You just don't go on it and don't have this particular best experience you could ever possibly. I'd have, have a go on that machine. How would you not have a go on that machine? Do you not think that machine would ruin your entire life? Because the only way that's it. That's your life now. Thinking about that machine and wanting to go back on the machine. Nothing can compare to it. Yeah, I suppose it's like having a bit of heroin, isn't it? I don't think you're like I've had heroin and I've critically evaluated it and I think it's absolutely boss. <laughs> that's not heroin's appeal is it heroin gets under your skin and you become addicted this intellectually you would know this is the pinnacle of pleasure no i don't know i've got mates who've done heroin and i've said to them like how so what does it feel like and they're like it is the best thing it's the best i have ever felt i think about it constantly wow i guess i've just been a bit that's why i gave that example I don't think we should I don't think we should perpetuate this information. <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. Do not do heroin. 
No, no. <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never knew heroin felt that good, though. I thought it was just yeah, really addictive. Yeah, it's pretty... Well, yeah, that's why it's addictive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it feels but great. But the thing is, the hedon machine isn't going to collapse your veins, right? The hedon no, machine... There well, are a yeah, lot no. of bad sides to heroin. I think if you built a hedon machine, it's probably... Okay, so the hedon machine has no downsides, is what you're saying, other than knowledge of it. The downside is that once you've, uh, once uh-huh. you've been on it... So imagine this feeling that if you take heroin, you're going to be thinking about heroin forever because it feels mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. This is going to be as multiplied on that as it's possible to be within the human experience. There's no way it couldn't be addictive. There's no way it couldn't, like, destroy you. Maybe maybe you've got a stronger psyche than me. I'd go bananas after being on it. I you think if you went it. on it once, you would just have to be on it all the time? I would only think about it, and I'd become depressed and despondent if I haven't had a hit. But if I had to be plugged into the Matrix, I'd rather get plugged into that than a, a life where I just have a little flat and I have a job in an office. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> be plugged the, into, into a heroin the, uh... machine. I mean, I don't want to turn this into the Matrix episode, but the, the, the original Matrix within the lore of the Matrix was, as you described, it was a sort of utopia full of pleasure and like everything was absolutely amazing. But they, the machines found that the humans could not accept this. So the Matrix didn't function properly because people were rejecting it as not real because they needed suffering. So then they ended up just making, a, making everyone live in the 90s. The brain cannot accept a utopia as plausible that is the premise that is in the matrix that's not necessarily the truth no but that's interesting interesting if i was raised as a baby in a utopia where would i even have a cultural understanding of what a plausible society even is and by the time Mm, exactly so i don't i fully reject the human condition what to be skeptical of nice things (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i i have that if you plugged me into a utopia now, uh-huh. I'd look for ways to kill myself. I would know something as well. It was it would be like a body horror has extended out into the world. This is not right. Someone should be abusing me in some way. You start looking I for rockets have to, to get die. In. Yeah, I start looking for open manholes to go head first into. <laughs> and there'll be plenty because it's a utopia, presumably if I want to die. It's incredibly easy and there are no barriers. <laughs> Everyone on the street cannot wait. It's like the Truman Show, you know, where he's trying to die and, and no one will let him die because like, he's a commodity <laughs> to keep him alive. But in my utopia, if I want to die, everyone instantly knows and starts swerving their cars into me. <laughs> <laughs> Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Lewis Evans. Our banger of a title theme was created by Ella G. If you enjoy Mandos and can afford to do so, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com slash mandatory redistribution party or by sharing this episode on social media. Thank you so much for listening and for all your support. It is very cool to make a thing people enjoy. Please stay safe and have a nice day.